have your Bibles, electronic devices, uh, you either click to or turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 20 is what was what we're looking at. So you know that we've been journeying through the book of 1 Peter for quite some time. We've been going line by line, sometimes verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph. The reason that we do that is two reasons. One, because this is a letter. This is a letter written to the early church, and the way that you read a letter is from the start to the finish to get the context, to get the culture, to get the meaning. And then it also keeps us from just preaching the easy parts of Scripture, the parts that we like of Scripture. It forces us to deal with the whole counsel of God's Word. And so if you've been journeying with us through this, you know that Simon Peter is writing to this early church. Uh, the church is just forming. The gospel is just spreading. Um, there's persecution going on. The government's trying to do everything they can to stop, stamp out Christianity. So persecution is happening. Simon Peter is in Rome. He's writing to this church, and, and he's writing this letter to encourage them. If you've been with us, and just let, let me just catch you up in case you haven't. You just got to under, either understand this or remember this or, or, or whatever. But chapter 1, Simon Peter started talking about what God has done for us. And he started talking about this living hope, that because of Christ we have this living hope. We don't have a dead hope like the world has, but we have a living hope. And we have a living hope, and as a result of that, we can live life confidently and, and know who we are. And so we have a living hope, not a dead hope. And then he goes on and says, like in chapter 2, and he reminds them, not only do you have a living hope, but you have this cornerstone. You have this cornerstone, and his name is Jesus Christ. is the foundation of your life. And because of that, you could walk through this life with confidence and security and, 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 and peace, even in difficult times. And then we come to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 that we're going to journey through this morning. And then he presses in and he says, okay, now that you understand you have this living hope and you have this cornerstone, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to start sharing the hope that you have. I need you to start sharing this hope that you have, this hope that is internal, this hope that, that, that is rightfully placed in your life that gives you confidence. So that's, that's where we pick up the story. Verse 13, let's just read through this and we'll, we'll pull out some principles for this morning. Verse 13, he says, Now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone. That's important. That's, that's, that word anyone became very important to me started on Monday, and we'll come back to that. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reasons for the hope that is in you. Yet... Do it with gentleness and respect. Having a, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So Simon Peter begins talking to this early congregation, and, and, and I, I, I believe it's a word for us. I believe it's a real word for us in the, in the community and the, in the, the culture in which we live. That Simon Peter was helping them to understand the importance of being willing to like, share the hope 
that you have. Know the reason that you believe. And listen, I'm telling you, I, I, I've looked at this passage, of course, for years as a pastor and, 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 and touched on it from time to time. This is the first time I've ever preached verse by verse through this chapter. And so when you look at that word, everyone, and it says, be willing to give, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have for, to everyone. Most commentators, when you, like when you pull up a commentary of Scripture and you read what they have to say, theologians have to say about that, normally what they say, fact is I couldn't find one that said something different. I'm sure there's one out there. But they said that one, everyone, is everyone outside of the church. It's everyone who doesn't believe. Everyone who's a non-Christian. In other words, they looked at that word as everyone. And actually, I started journeying through this Scripture with that in mind. And then it was like Monday. And I was in my study, and I'm like praying through, and I'm looking at this passage, and all of a sudden, it was like God pricked my heart, and it was like, are you sure, is everyone everyone, or is everyone everyone who doesn't believe? Are you sure about that? Because here's what I'm learning. There are a bunch of discouraged, beaten down Christians in the church that are struggling with hope. No, don't understand this issue of hope. So what if everyone simply means everyone? What if everyone means everyone in the church and outside the church who believes and who doesn't believe, who's a non-Christian and who's a Christian? What if this word is for everyone? What if this word, because have you ever noticed this? Like if you try to share, you have a mountain in front of you, and you try to share this mountain in front of you that you believe God's greater than that mountain and you have hope, that even some people inside the church will try to tamp you down to try to govern your beliefs. And like, really? Do you not understand what you're facing? Do you not understand what you're going through? And see, I think that's one reason that Simon Peter says, oh, and by the way, have no fear of them. Fear of man, what Scripture says, fear of man is a snare. It is a trap. It will put you in a prison if you go around your life and you're always worried what people think about you, whether they like you, they don't like you, they agree with you, they don't agree, they disagree with you. And Simon Peter is saying, that's why if you're going to share this hope you have, you can have, listen, you can have no, no fear of them. In the Greek, when you just look at the Greek context of this phrase, have no fear of them, it's this picture. I mean, it's a beautiful word picture of being tossed back and forth. It's a picture of the person in like a sea in a storm and they're bobbing up and down and they're being beaten around and it, it, just, it just wears them out. And Simon Peter is saying that if you live life in fear of them, you'll never share the hope that you have. And you'll live life in such a way, it's like a prison or just an emotional prison. And see, that's why he goes on and says, oh, and by the way, just set apart Christ as Lord, as holy, in other words, don't divide your hopes between, between some worldly hopes and some biblical understands. Understand who Christ is. Set him apart in his rightful place. And understand that the only reason that you can have hope is because of him. Understand that, that he is your living hope. He is your, uh, he is your cornerstone. He is the foundation of your life. And so with that, and I know it's a large intro and a long intro, but with that, I, I just want to give you three things because, I am listen, I am so burdened for this message. And I think I'm more burdened for the local church. There's so many believers that are so discouraged, living in fear. 
who don't really have a living hope or know the living hope that is offered to them. So let me give you three reasons. If you're, if you're going to come to the place where you live life in such a way that you share the hope that is within you, then you must remember that my hope is found in Christ Jesus. That's where it starts. That's what he's talking about. My hope is found in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 again. He says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now listen, a lot of times when preachers come to this text, they start talking about sharing your faith, and I don't want you to confuse the two, okay? And so they'll start talking about this issue of sharing your faith, but this isn't what Simon Peter's talking about. See, sharing your faith is this, and sharing your faith is always looking to the past. It's always looking behind you. In other words, it's talking about a moment where you came to know Christ. It may have been that you were raised in a Christian household. You met Christ at like six years of age. You were baptized at seven. Um, You never really strayed from him. Like the worst thing you ever did in your life is like read under a dim light. and you You just always followed him. And so that may be your testimony. Or you may have a different testimony. And when you share your faith, it may sound something like this. I came to a place in my life I didn't believe. The bottom dropped out of my life. I hit rock bottom. I was desperate. I had, I w- it was a horrible time in my life. Someone shared with me about Christ as a result of that. I prayed. I asked him to come in my life. I mean, they welcomed me in my church. I was baptized. And so that, that may be your testimony. So that's a testimony. And so sharing your faith is always looking to the, the, the past. That is not what Simon Peter's talking about. In fact, I think this may be a little bit more powerful, especially in times in which we live. Sharing the hope that is within you is not looking to the past. It's looking to the future. This is what gives me hope of the future. This is my living hope. Yeah, I may be facing a mountain, but God is greater. God is bigger. I may be going through a difficult time, Times may be uncertain in our country, um, in the world, at my job, in my family. But I have this hope. See, the powerful thing about a living hope and not a dead hope, a living hope, sharing your hope is what is looking to the future. See, if we're honest, everybody has hopes, right? Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, everybody has hopes. And so a lot of people, you know what, their, their hopes are like, are, are like we, we hope the economy turns around or we hope the economy doesn't bottom out. We hope we don't go into a recession. I hope I get that job. I hope I get that promotion. I hope I get that raise. I hope I get that dream vacation. I hope my kids turn out okay, right? You know, I hope, I'm, you know, I, I hope this relationship gets better. Uh, I, I hope I, I meet, um, I don't know, I hope I meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright, you know, or, or something like that. Um, whenever I say that, I always remember years back, we, Karen and I led a trip to Israel. We had this lady that was single and she was elderly. And so she said throughout the whole trip, she kept saying, you know what, at my age, I'm looking for Mr. Right now. That's what I'm looking for. And so maybe you're looking for Mr. or Mrs. Right now. I don't know. But every, listen, everybody has hopes. But the problem, the problem with the world's hopes All it is is optimism. There is no foundation. All it is is just it's it's pure optimism. Because I mean, after all, what guarantee do we have we're not going to go through a recession? What guarantee do we have that we're not going to go through tough economic times? What guarantee do you and I have that there's not going to be a major terrorist attack, another major war? 
What guarantee do you have that your family's going to turn out all right and things are going to work out the way? What, what guarantee do you have? See, if you look at this issue of hope, a lot of times the, the world, all it is pure optimism. All it is pure optimism. Simon Peter said Christians were something different. So, biblical definition of hope is just simply this. It's an optimistic look to the future based on the promises of God. It's an optimistic, yeah, it's optimism. Yeah, it's optimistic. It's an optimistic view of the future based on the promises of God. Do you realize this? In Scripture, there are 365 promises to the believer. You know the reason I love that? Is because it's like one promise for every day of the year. You realize that? One new promise for every day of the year. Here a while back, about 10 or 15 years ago, we gave out to everybody in our congregation. We gave out the book, of uh, uh, Bible Promises, just so they could grab them. And it was categorized by if you're going through depression or defeat or loss of hope or anything like that. You could, you, could, you could look up all the promises. And so when you look at this, a living hope, Christian hope, it's not just pure optimism. It is optimism to the future based on the promises of God. I mean, when, when you look at this, you're, you're, what Simon Peter is saying is your hope has to properly be focused. I mean, let me ask you a question, and don't answer this out loud. I mean, this is, just, this is just for you. How do you handle or what makes you confident in difficult situations? When the bottom drops out of your life, what gives you confidence? Where do you find, where, where's your hope? here's what Simon Peter is trying to help them understand. Remember when we started reading this passage? It started off with some words about suffering. There's something about when the bottom drops out, there's something about suffering that helps you to understand where your hope is. If you're not careful as a believer, your hopes will be divided kind of in this world and kind of in Scripture. We'll give you hope in a difficult situation. And some people say, well, you know what? It's strength of my job, strength of my family, strength of my resume, strength of my education, my personality, my work ethic. Sometimes it's just because you're having a good hair day. I don't know. And Simon Peter says that's why it's so important for you in your, in your heart. Set apart Christ, his holiness, Lord. If you're going to, listen, if you're going to share the hope that you have, your hope has to be focused to where you, you know that. And maybe for you this morning, maybe for you, the, like the first step is for you just to come to the place and say, you know what, Lord, today, today my hope isn't going to be divided. I, I am going to set you apart as holy. I'm going to put you on the pedestal of my life. I'm going to understand you, you're the cornerstone of my life. And because of that, I'm, I'm going to understand. Listen, let me tell you something. This hope is for everyone. But here's what I'm noticing. It's believed differently. In places of prosperity like America, where there's wealth, where there's power, where there's comfort, then some of the most desperate margins of our world. Now, see, it's so easy for us as Americans to get our hopes divided in this world and our, our resume and our bank accounts and, and, and retirement and all these other things. 
but I can take you to places in Africa where people have been marginalized and you're up against orphans and they have very little. You don't have to, listen, you do not have to try hard to convince them that their hope is in Christ and Christ alone because they have no money. They don't have a lot of food. They don't have a lot of, and, and when you go to the margins of society, their worship is so pure and it's so holy because they understand. I mean, they are sharply focused on their hope. They get it. They understand. See, culture and context of this message, see, the group of people that Simon Peter was talking to, when they went out and they shared about Jesus, nobody even knew who Jesus was in their culture. The gospel was like just expanding. The church was just, just forming. And so in his culture, his context, and his first hearers, nobody had ever heard the name of Jesus. And so when they're going out and they're sharing about Jesus, nobody had ever heard. And I think we have a greater challenge. I think we have a greater challenge in our world because everybody in America is like kind of heard of him, right? Look, Kim Meter, I'll just quote her. She said this in the conference. She said, religion is to know of him, know some things about him. But we are to know him. We're to intimately know him. We're to have a relationship with him. She gets that from Hosea 6.6. 6, and here's what the scripture says. It says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. In other words, it's more than religion. I want you to know me. Know me intimately. A relationship. Know that I'm your living hope. Know the word. And I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. That's just another word for religion. See, we live in a day, right? We live in a day where a lot of people have heard of Jesus. And if you go out and you share the hope that you have and you mention Jesus, you know a lot of people do? They say, oh, wait, wait a minute, I, I, I know him. I know of him. I mean, I, I'd consider myself a believer. I'd consider myself a Christian. Fact is, one day when I die, I'm going to heaven. Man, I don't, I don't go to church. I don't read scripture. I don't pray. I don't even know what the scripture says. I don't pray. I don't read scripture. And fact is, my life isn't even aligned with, with scripture. But, but I think that's okay. I mean, after all, Jesus understands. I mean, he's the one that created me this way. He's the one that created me with the desires. He created me this way. And I think he gets it. I think he understands. See, people love the teaching of Jesus about forgiveness of sin part. But just as soon as Jesus starts talking about their life, starts talking about how they handle their time, how they handle their money, their resources, how they serve the poor, starts talking about their sex life, then all of a sudden they're like repelled from him. See, the challenge you and I have in this world, a lot of people know him, know of him, but they don't know him. That's why I'm thinking that's why this message is such a burden with me. Because coming to the place where we can just show a, a, a culture and a community the hope that we have in Christ. If I'm going to share that hope, the second thing is this, is I have to have a specific reason for my hope. I have to have a specific reason for my hope. In other words, I need to know. I need to know this hope that I have, verse 15, just keep moving through this text. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks. Know the hope that you have for, for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. You see, this is the beauty of sharing your hope. It is your hope. 
It is your reason. It's also the beauty of living in a postmodern world because nobody can disagree with your hope. It's your hope. And Simon Peter's not saying, turn yourself into some guy that's or girl that's 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 apolo- that's into apologetics of scripture and you can defend the faith and 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 because that's that's what keeps a lot of people I believe of sharing the hope that they have because hey what if I share this hope what if I tell someone the hope that I have and they ask me about the dinosaurs I don't know what happened what happened to the dinosaurs or they ask me some question about creation something that I can't understand and then 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 I'll fail I'll, I'll just fail and so I think sometimes that's what keeps people from sharing this 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 hope that they have listen I'm telling you and I know I've said this before I've been here like 25 years as your pastor, and uh, I've met a lot of people as they come into our service, and normally if I meet you for the first time, I ask you, how did you find out about our church? I'd love to hear your story. And can I just tell you this? I yet, after 25 years here, I've yet to meet someone that came in for these front doors and said, oh, the reason I'm here, I came across someone at Fel- from Fellowship the Rockies, and, and I lost a theological argument to them, and that's why I'm here. I mean, they debated me, and I lost an argument, and I, I didn't understand some things. I have never, listen, that has never happened, but I, I have testimony after testimony, story after story, where someone has walked through these doors, and I said, hey, why are you here? And they said, you're not going to believe this. And they'll call your name. Hey, I work with this guy, or I work with this lady, or I'm in the neighborhood with this person, or we're in sports, or whatever. And all of a sudden, I know what they're going through. I know the challenges they face. And they're still positive, and they have this hope. They have this peace. And I asked them about that, and they shared with me the hope that they have. And I'm like, I, I need that. I want, See, this is what Simon Peter's talking about. Simon Peter is talking about coming to this place where you understand this, you get this, and you're ready just to share the hope that you have. Hope is just simply an optimistic outlook of the future based on the powerful promises of Scripture. So how do you do that? You just need a couple of Scriptures. I mean, that's why it's so important to know the promises right. That's why it's so important to, like, read Scripture and Life Journal and grab those. I cannot tell you how many times someone has asked me something, and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. I just Life Journaled that this morning. Here's a Scripture for you. It's coming to this place, and listen, I'm the same way. I mean, there's a couple of Scriptures that I share, and when people, whether it's in the community, and I'm around a lot of people that are far away from God, and when they ask me, or sometimes I tell them, they say, hey, and they look at me and say, how, with that mountain in front of you, how, how can you even have hope? Why aren't you just, I mean, how can you have hope? And for about a couple of years now, I've been just sharing the same verse over and over and over with people. It's not hard. I just say, you know, it comes out of Isaiah 26.3. You know, and the word just simply tells me that, it, that he will keep me in perfect peace. If my mind is just stayed on him. And then he goes on and says, just trust the Lord. For he is the everlasting rock. He's the foundation of your life. And you know what? Here's what I've learned. Regardless of what I face, regardless of what I go through in life, if I'll just keep my mind focused on him, stayed on him, then he has promised to keep me in perfect peace. And you know what? I've learned he's faithful at that. I've learned that he could keep me in perfect peace when I just stay faithful and remember that. And 
See, this isn't hard. Because what Simon Peter says, the way that we do this is with two words, gentleness and respect. And I, I don't know about you, but I love that. He doesn't say you have to be a theologian. He doesn't say you have to have an overbearing personality, a charismatic personality, or be extroverted or anything like that. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, hey, when you do that, in your personality, how God has wired you, just when you share the hope that you have, just do it with gentleness and respect. It must be maintained. Verse 15, that's where he made the statement at the end of verse 15. He said, who asked you for a reason for the hope that is in you? Yet do it with gentleness and, and respect. When you, when you share the hope that was in you, and not in a judgmental way, I mean, it's not helpful, right, telling someone that, you know, God's going to judge you, your day's coming, God's going to get even with you when the bottom falls out, you know, you're going to hell. Is that ever helpful? No, it's not ever helpful. It's never helpful. But when you share with gentleness and respect, there's something that happens. I mean, I, I can do that. See, what you're doing is you're not promoting yourself, you're promoting God. Listen, let me tell you something. If you're promoting yourself, you can never promote God at the same time. If you are promoting yourself of being self-confident, self-assured, you have it all figured out, you don't need anybody, you can never convince anybody that he is your hope and you need him. But when you can do it with gentleness and respect and say, yeah, I mean, we do have this matter. Yeah, we do have these challenges. Yes, I am going through this difficult time. But here's what I've learned. I have learned to place my hope in him. You do it with gentleness and respect. You do it without promoting yourself. That's why the Bible says you let, you let God do the heavy lifting. The Bible says the word of God is living and active, and it's like a two-edged sword. It cuts down to like the soul of the issue, to the soul of the person. And listen, when people come across Christians like that, they can share the hope they have with gentleness and respect. Man, they walk away and say, you know, that's the first Christian I like met. They didn't try to cram religion down my throat. I mean, they did it in a very non-judgmental way. And that's why Simon Peter says, when you do that, they, listen, even your critics, they will be ashamed of themselves. Verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, when they realize you're genuine, they'll, they'll, they'll be ashamed of some of the things they've said about you or criticized you. And then he goes on and says, and guess what? When you do it like this, people are actually drawn to God. You know, you know the reason you do it for gentleness and respect? You do that towards God, not towards the individual. You know why? Because you're a representative of Christ. You're his ambassador, and he's asked you to do that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, Simon Peter says, he says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, just come, listen, just come to the place to where you know the hope that is within you. You understand that you have this living hope and that you can share it with people with gentleness and, and respect because, listen, we just live in a world, right, that so many people know of him, but they don't really know him. You want to catch them off guard? You help them understand, I got a living hope. I got a relationship with him. The third and the last thing, if I'm going to share my hope, I must remember my confidence courageously must be maintained. 
my confidence must courageously must be maintained. Now, Simon Peter goes into illustration, and, and I love this illustration that he chose because it really, I think it really just removes some of the stress of this whole deal and helps us to understand what he's talking about. So let's read it, and then I'll unpack it for you. Verse 19, he says, In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in, in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now listen. For 120 years, the Bible tells us that, that Noah lived, right? And so a lot of people know who Noah is. So if you ask someone, hey, who's Noah? They're like, ah, oh, he's that guy that, you know, built the boat and, and had a petting zoo in his yard, right? I mean, he had like this petting zoo in the yard. He had giraffes and elephants and he had all these animals. And, and he's the guy that built the ark. He's the guy that built the boat. But can I tell you this? There were much, there's much more to Noah's life than just that. You may not be aware of this, but Noah was a preacher. Noah started a church. He started a church with eight people, his family. And he preached in that church faithfully. Fact is, the Bible tells us this, that he was a preacher of righteousness. That's just, that's just biblical language of saying he was very effective in what he did. He was very good in what he did. He was very faithful in what he did. And so he plants his church. He starts this church. Nobody ever joined. I mean, it's a no-brainer. His family had to go. Right? Nobody ever was converted to God. Nobody ever changed. A couple of things or three things about Noah. If Noah had Christ with him, so do we. Now listen, I get it. I understand. I mean, theologically, and, and we just don't have time. Let me just say this. You know Jesus was born after Noah, right? And he lived and walked this earth. But, but Jesus is part of the Trinity. And so Noah had Jesus there in spirit. And so we can take you through the Old Testament and we can unpack. But the same as Noah had Christ, so do we. In other words, we have the living Christ in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And so we have the same thing. And so the second thing is this. If Noah didn't have to produce results, neither did we. Or neither do we. I mean, can you imagine 120 years preaching and nobody ever converted, nobody ever believed? I mean, when you look, the Scripture says Noah was one of the greatest men of faith. And yet, yet he just continued, and he lived in a difficult world. And so this is what's helped me. I mean, for us, we do what is possible, and we allow God to do what is impossible. Listen, the results are up to God. And see, I think this has been handled and mishandled in the church for so many years because there's some preachers that have put pressure on you. So like, like if you're doing it effectively, seal the deal. I mean, help, you know, have them pray and all this other stuff. And, like, the results are up to you. And then what makes matters worse, when preachers talk about this, they, like, throw their highlight reel up for you, right? And they start talking about, yeah, I was at Safeway and I was, like, shopping. So I witnessed to, like, like the, the checkout lady and, and I led her to the Lord. And she was over, so overcome, she invited her friends. And before you know it, I, I led the whole Safeway store to the Lord. And so I'm in the back and I'm baptizing people in the lobster tank. It was amazing. I mean, say, you know, Revival broke out in Safeway. And so then it makes you feel like, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't have results like that. Listen, let me tell you something. The results aren't up to you. You can't force anybody to change. And can I just tell you this? I don't grow the church. God grows the church. All we're called to do is be faithful to him and leave the results up to, up to him. Can I tell you this? 
I got men in our community that I've invested in well over 10 years into their life. Just sharing the hope that I have. And some of them still haven't accepted. Some of them, I would have thought by now, surely they would have. Surely they would have. I'll tell you one quick story and we'll move on. And about 10, about 10 years ago, I'm, I, I was on the golf course and I get paired up with a group. And this guy uh, knew that I was a preacher in town. And I didn't impress him at all. And so he says, hey, I know you're, you know, he pulled me aside, says, hey, I know you're a preacher. He says, the only thing I'm going to tell you is you better not, you just better not cram religion down my throat. I don't want to hear about your religion. I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to hear any of that. And not only that, I'm not changing my behavior at all on the golf course. I, I'm going to throw around a lot of F-bombs. I like F-bombs. And so I'm going to throw around a lot of F-bombs. And so you, you know what? You can bail right now if that bothers you. And I says, you know. I'm not going to change the way I live for you, and I'm not asking you to change the way you live for me. And so let's just play golf and see what happens. And so he says, good. Storm came up, and I walk uh, because I need the exercise. And so so I have a push cart. My bag sits in, and he walks too. And so we were walking, and the storm was coming up, and we knew lightning's coming. We know they're going to blow the horn soon and get us off the course. And and so this is a true story. I I have witnesses. And so... uh, and so we're on the fairway, and, and he's about, and I forgot to set the, the brake on my cart, and he's in his backswing, and as when he's going back, a big gust of wind comes up, and it pushes my cart into his backswing, and he had to stop, and then he got mad and said a couple of bad words and looked at me, and he yelled at me, and he says, hey, listen, I know you got connections with the man upstairs, but this is ridiculous. You better cut it out, like I had something to do with it. But I seized the opportunity, and I said, well, fine. If you don't come to church on Sunday, it's only going to get worse. And so uh, you choose. You choose. <laughs> I tell you, we're friends today. And I'm still today, I'm still, listen, I, I believe one day he will accept. But you know what? That, that's up to God. And that is up to, all God asks us to do is that, that hope that is within you. Man, would you just be willing to share it? With everyone in the church, outside of the church. Understand that he is your hope and alone. And, and the last thing is this. If no, listen, if Noah could handle insults and persecution, so can we. Don't be a wimp. Don't have any fear of them. Listen, I get it. I understand. Most people, when you share the hope that was within you, will appreciate it. Some won't. They're just jerks. And they're probably jerks in other areas of their life as well, right? And you know what? The other people around see it for what it is. Noah's day, everybody was a jerk. Nobody believed. They hurled all kinds of insults at him. Who do you think you are believing in this God that rain's coming, this boat's going to be needed? What do you even think you're doing? If you're going to share the hope within you, courage has to be maintained. I promise you there are people in the church and outside of the church need to hear the hope that you have. God is greater. 
than any mountain that you will ever face. Any challenge do you ever have? He's greater. And that is what Simon Peter is asking us to share. Would you bow your heads with us and with me and close your eyes?